Welcome back to another episode of Dad You. Um, if you've never been here before, my name is Chris Sherrod. I'm the Marriage and Family Director here at Watermark. And the purpose of us even doing this is really just to encourage dads um, in their role, to f- help them feel a little equipped and empowered. One of the things we had talked about this winter for dads is just how faithful fathers are. First of all, they passionately love Jesus, and then they own that role of disciple maker. And then with their kids, they create a word-centered home and they initiate faith conversations. And so our prayer is in all of this that you're hearing um, different truths that you can apply immediately like today in your life. So we have a guest today. Uh, We have Mr. Wes Butler and uh, welcome. Hey, thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about your history here, your role, and then, of course, your family. Yeah. So I've been here at Watermark for a long time. So 2002, we moved to Dallas and looking for a church home plugged in here. And so... All my kiddos were born uh, and brought into our home during the uh, that ten years. So this is the only church that our family uh, collectively has known. And so I've got four kiddos. So my oldest Josiah is uh, nineteen, freshman at Oklahoma State, and then I have a eighteen uh, year old daughter who's a senior in high school, fifteen year old son who is a freshman in high school, and then my our baby is no longer a baby. She's a teenager now. So I, that is four teenagers in my home, Chris. Wow! So all at four, once. All at once. My son will turn twenty in September. <laughs> September, so we'll count down the days to that <laughs> and get out of four teenagers. But yeah, that's that's where we are. My wife and I have been married twenty, coming up on twenty six years, and okay. man, have been shaped greatly by the ministry here. Learned under some godly men what it looks like to be a a godly husband and yeah. and uh, father. And so, and then you know, as far as like my time here at Watermark, I've gotten to play a similar role to the one you're playing now. Yeah. So I got to lead our kids ministry and family ministry for several years. Uh, started Dad U way back in the day, yes. uh, which was so fun. What year did you start that? Oh, gosh. I think it was 2017, okay. 16, 17, somewhere in there. Yep. And so got to play that role, but I've gotten to um, do that. I've gotten to uh, work with our single adult uh, ministry for many years prior to that. And uh, and now I get to serve on our pastoral care team, just caring for folks, walking through a lot of different hardships. So great. Uh, it's a gift. Really. Okay. Well, great. Yeah, I mean. So today we're going to talk about discipline. Oh, boy. Um, we're probably going to do a couple of podcasts about this. When we asked our dads this winter, what would be some good topics you want to hear? The number one response was discipline. Yeah. Uh, we just need help in this area. And what's interesting to me is I think in my life, how I view discipline, a lot of it just depends on how you were raised Yeah. personally. I had this interesting scenario of me and two friends, like all three of us are best friends. And um, the spectrum on one end, my one friend's parents had basically no rules, uh-huh. no curfew, nothing. <laughs> on the other end, my son, my my son, my friend's uh, parents were still like putting him on restriction when we were seniors in high school, like like they were doing when he was in junior high. Yeah, yeah. it was almost like too much rules, yeah. and I felt like I I was lived I, I lived, you know, in the tension in the middle of that where my parents I think did a really good job of consistency and kind of growing as I grew with that. But yeah. it was always funny to look at like. If I didn't have this, which of those two parents would I want? And I think naturally as a teenager, I'm like, of course, the one with no rules. Right, right. But both of them in a weird way can exasperate uh, uh, a teen in different ways, which I want to talk about. But let me me start by reading Ephesians 6 because of the specific command to us as as, uh, dads. So you've got, you know, Ephesians, it, it talks about, you know, how wives should treat their husbands, how husbands and then children. And then you've just got dads called out in particular. Yeah. And so I think listening to the command and the warning would help us to kind of get things going. It says, fathers, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of 
the Lord. So again, you have not mom and dad, not parents, but dads called out in particular. And then there's this warning of what not to do. And the same order, by the way, is in Colossians 3, where it mm-hmm. talks about moms, dads, children, parents. And again, there's a warning for, for fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so what do you think about that weight uh, what should we keep in mind as dads that we're called out in particular on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a tremendous weight. And and, and look, we're seeing the, the ramifications of, by and large, uh, a culture where men have not done this well yeah. and, and where kids are exasperated. And I love what you said, Chris, like there's kind of two ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. exasperation, if you will, yeah. you know, and so certainly the... Uh, the helicopter parent, the, you know, man, everything is kind of micromanaged and the exasperation that can, um, you know, come from kids who live under that. But now we're seeing more and more, I would say, it, it feels like that pendulum is largely on the the side where there's, there's fewer rules, fewer yeah. boundaries. And yet there's just this, you see this unsettledness, this lack of security because you have a, a generation of kids who have grown up without boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so now they're exploring all the boundaries. It, it makes me think of, and I can't remember where I heard this first, but there was like an experiment done uh, around a playground. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, the playground without a fence around it, all the children kind of rushed to the middle of it because there there weren't very clear boundaries. Yeah. And so they wouldn't kind of explore the the space around the playground, right? Uh-huh. And And yet when a fence went up around that playground, all of a sudden, those kids were at the very edge of it, right? And they're kind of testing the fence, right. frankly. Yep. And and yet, the reason they did that is because they felt a sense of security. Yep. And they felt cared for, really, in the midst of it. Now, they can't articulate that. That's not a conscious thought. Yeah. But unconsciously, I think that's what we're seeing, you know, this generation of kids where there haven't been those clear boundaries, where mom and dad have been much more kind of free and loose. Yep. And they're just they don't quite know what to do with themselves. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I, I think you're right. The the weight of responsibility we have as dads to be thoughtful in the ways that we set those boundaries mm-hmm. and set expectations for our kids matters a ton. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it sounds, again, empowering to say, well, you get to decide. You get to make it up. You get to figure out your gender, your identity, right. your curfew, your whatever. And at first, again, it sounds like, oh, that sounds great, but that is really a stressful weight to put on children. Yes. And then we wonder why there's all this depression and anxiety. Yeah. You know, you're like, what do you have to be anxious about? Like everything's, you know, you're the wealthiest, right. healthiest generation ever. Why are you anxious? Yeah. But and they need there. that guidance. Yeah. They need that father figure, that mom to yeah. say, hey, let, let's go this way. Or no, that's not healthy for you. Yep. You know, and so and we're, we're go- going to make you eat your vegetables because yes. that's a good thing for you. And uh, and yeah, it's it's so important for us to make sure that we're we're providing that secure environment through discipline. That's so good. Well, what do you got for us? Share share some wisdom, some principles, anything that you want to yeah, well, pass it's, on. It's funny because uh, you're right. Every time you ask a, a group of parents, what do you want to hear about? Yep. I mean, it is number one, you know, family feud survey says it's always going to yeah. be at the top, you know. Yeah. And uh, 100 out of 100 people is probably what that thing would turn over because everybody wants to hear about it. And, and understandably so, because there is so much... Uh, concern, and, and I would say in, in a lot of ways, some anxiety that we experience, yeah. right? Because either we haven't seen it done well, and so we don't really have a good model. We don't like, all we know is we don't like maybe what we had when we were growing up. Yeah. And and so we know, I just don't want to do it that the way my parents did it. But, uh, but we have uh, not as clear direction around, okay, well, what does this look like? Yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me, right, to, to yeah. hear that. 
And yet I think it's always important for us to start from the very foundation of even the word, Mm -hmm. right? So discipline comes from the word disciple. Yeah. Right. So good. And we can't, we can't separate discipline from discipleship because if we do, then, uh, then we're missing the point. It it just discipline separated from discipleship is just punitive. It is just to kind of, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. punishment. And then frankly, if we're real honest, oftentimes discipline apart from discipleship is really more about my comfort and what's easier for me than it is about what is good for my children. Yeah. I don't know, Chris, if you've experienced that, you know, just kind of that tension as a dad, but I know I have of like, man, I know the thing I need to do and to say to my kid, Yep. but if I say that thing, that's going to disrupt that night of watching March Madness. Or, yes. You come home and it's like, I just want to have a nice evening. With, and then you hear the report, like you, you need to go talk to, you know, Johnny over there. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't want to be, or even convenient, lazy, like, I'm going to have to get up and go deal with this right now because they're yelling at each other in the other room. And so it's just, you know, selfishness or laziness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, you know, for us, there's a poem that that I think about uh, when I have talked about discipline. It's a short little poem by a gal named Lucy Shaw. So she wrote a poem called Forecast. And this is what it says. It's it's literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. Okay. Eight words is the poem. It is this, planting seeds inevitably— changes my feelings about rain. Planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. What is she getting at? Yeah. Well, look, I'm a good city boy, right? Uh, I grew up in the city, grew up in Houston, and rain was always an inconvenience, Yeah. right? Because it's traffic, it's I can't go play with my friends, it's like it's an inconvenience. Just wash the car. Yeah. But I spent seven years out in West Texas, three of those years out in a little town outside of Abilene that was largely a cotton farming Uh, community. Yeah. And... Literally, like almost every time the church would get together, the pastor or one of the deacons would pray for rain. Oh, wow. Lord, please send the rain. Please send the rain. We need the rain. Yeah. You know, our crops are suffering right now. And you're in dry West Texas. Like, you need the rain because you know that there's there's not a, a harvest to, you know, uh, be gathered if there's not rain yeah. to bring it about. Yeah. And so when I think about discipline, why do I start there? Why I think about discipline. I go, man, these are those rain showers that if all I'm thinking about, again, is my own comfort— Mm-hmm. And um, and and just kind of the hey guys, just leave me alone. Then I just see every one of those. Hey, will you go talk to Johnny about? Yep. Or hey, I hear the kids bickering and fighting in the other room. I, all I see is just the inconvenience of a of a rain shower that's going to wash out the me being able to play with my buddies on the driveway, yeah. you know, and play basketball. Yeah. And but if I have, as a dad, faithfully committed myself to planting seeds of faith in their life. Mm-hmm. And I hear that the thunder of those moments coming. I go, okay, this is another opportunity for me as a dad to cultivate the ground, yeah. to remind them of the seeds of discipleship that we've planted, yeah. and to walk them through, because this is just a trial, right, that they're walking through, whether it's a really foolish thing they did at school, whether it's, you know, back-talking mom or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. This is where their faith is kind of hitting the ground, right? It's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. And it's like, okay, hey, let, that's, that's okay. Let's talk about this and let's address the heart issue. Let's address what does it look like for a, a faithful man or a faithful woman to to grow up here because you're childish mm-hmm. right now. And, and so to not be so annoyed by the rainstorm that comes. Yep but rather to see it as this amazing opportunity the Lord has set before us to harvest those, you know, to, to see that harvest come. Yep. And, uh, and so we're such a immediate gratification culture, 
that it's hard for us to think in kind of those planting, harvesting, mm-hmm. agricultural, you know, type terms. But yeah. that really is the language. And I, and I get that language from Hebrews 12, okay. which is the, the passage I always go to, where it talks about this idea of if you discipline, you, you uh, get a harvest of righteousness. Yeah. That's my job, right? Like I, I want in my own life, first and foremost. And then uh, I want to make sure that the ground of my kids' lives is set up for, I don't know if the harvest is going to come, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that I can do everything in my power to make sure that the ground is ready for that and prepared for that. And so that comes through faithful discipleship that then lends itself to and leads us to those uh, discipline opportunities. Yeah, that's so good already because already you're thinking it's just a different mind. It's a shift in your thinking. Right. This is an opportunity versus an inconvenience. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, if we were to look at, you know, Hebrews 12, I'll I'll just kind of unpack for us, Chris, and, and, um, you know, just some of the principles that I think about. Uh, I'll also put another disclaimer on here. I I think when people— uh, th- this may be a, an unsatisfying podcast episode in some regards, because I think when people say, hey, we want to talk about discipline is that they want the, okay, well, should I or shouldn't I, mm-hmm. right? And what's the method for? Tips and techniques. Yes. Yeah. And and look, those things can be helpful, but I always want to be careful that we, if, we're, if you're starting there, I think you're starting from a, a, a place of just not a whole lot of thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that the, the wide diversity of the way that the Lord has wired our kids what is unique to them, some of their unique experiences. I know, Chris, you and I both have adopted kids. And mm-hmm. so, you know, understanding their story, their trauma, their their past, and uh, those things factor into or should factor into uh, the way that we think about discipline so that even within our own home, yep. that discipline may look really different from one child to the next. And how they respond. Like my firstborn son was just mad. Yes. My second one, and, and it was to get through to him, it was a little tougher. And right. And my second born was like, you look at him, you know, cross and he's already broken. Right. Like right. he's already that tumbled. Heart. And yeah. yeah, just so, so even thinking of your kids as I need to be thinking about it's not one size fits all. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, given that, I think it's, it's more beneficial for us to talk principle, kind of mm-hmm. high level principle. And then to really trust the Spirit of God to lead you and to guide you yeah. into some of the the practical uh, applications of this for your family. And so, you know, the, I think the first principle that I, I just gained from from the Hebrews 12 is just this, that we are sinners raising sinners. We have to start there. Yeah. Like, I am not the perfect heavenly father of the universe who is holy and perfect in all of his ways. I, I'm not that. Yeah. I am a broken man who is bringing in my own baggage, my own past, my own experience. And so, you know, you see this in Hebrews 12, where uh, in in verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured from sinners, talking about Jesus, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, okay, that's me. Yeah. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And so, you know, it's just this idea that, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a broken sinner entering into this discipline field, Mm -hmm. carrying a lot of baggage. And so I want to to do a couple of things. One, I want to make sure that I'm examining myself before the Lord and the condition of my heart. So as I'm walking into those moments where my kids are throwing hands, Uh right? And they're they're doing crazy stuff and, and, okay, am I able to go in there with a heart that is, uh, is free before the Lord? That's not motivated by selfishness, by anger, which is some of my ditches, right? By comfort, all these things that that are really about me. And can I go in there ready and prepared as a as a man who is 
purified by the spirit of God, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and so, and then in the midst of that, to also acknowledge that I shouldn't trust that what I did in those moments was pure and holy. And mm-hmm. so I may need to, even in the, those moments, one, extend myself grace that, gosh, I wish I would have said that different. I should have done that. Gosh, yeah. I do feel like my blood boiled a little bit too hot, you know, in that moment. Okay, God, please forgive me. But then also to acknowledge that before my kids at times, mm-hmm. right? And and probably not in the moment, right? But maybe later coming back and cleaning up and just going, hey, guys, that wasn't dad's best right there. You did need to be disciplined. Yeah. But you actually saw some of dad's undisciplined mm-hmm. in that moment. And so just acknowledging our our brokenness before the Lord. And so, and there's all kinds of ditches that we can get into there. Uh, a guy named Eric Raymond wrote, uh, I think it was a blog post called How to Exasperate Your Children, which is, you know, all right, if you want to do it, here's uh-huh. how to do it. And he just went, hey, here's some some of the ditches that we could fall into. So bullying our kids, right? Kind of using, especially I think for guys, for dads, we can use our size, mm-hmm. tone of our voice, you know, how loud we can get to bully our kids. Certainly showing favoritism, right? I mean, you see this in old, some of the Old Testament stories with Joseph and his father and what that created for them. Um, you can call into question their faith and their Christianity. Like, man, are you even a Christian? I mean, those are just like words that cut yeah. and are un- unfair. So, and then, you know, some of the things we've talked about, unclear standards where you just haven't set appropriate boundaries. Discipline, we haven't explained. Hey, here's why you're receiving that discipline. And it's just kind of a fly off the handle, you know. So I don't know. Those are some of the ditches. I don't know, Chris, what for you, you would say, hey, these are some of the ditches I'm inclined to. Yeah, I know that I, What you said this earlier, so much of what we do it's all we know. It's all we've known. Like, right. that's just how my parents, you know, did that to me. And yet a lot of parents, like you said, are like, but I, I feel like that wasn't the best. Right, right. But then in, the, in that moment, I found myself so often, my default, if I'm not thoughtful, is do exactly what, you know, how I was disciplined. Right. Without really even thinking it through. And then I just, I also know my, I'm a peacemaker and I really want to hurry and get back to normal. Yeah makes me rush through discipline a lot of times where I'm like, okay, can you just stop? We Can we just agree you're not going to do that anymore? Right. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And like we just had an agreement, like we made a contract that they're not going to keep. Right. But I haven't done any discipling in that moment about yeah. here's why. Last week I had to get onto my son. And I was just reminding him that, you know, I have to follow this too. I have to be honest as well. Yeah. We've got a son that struggles still with just honesty and some things where I just didn't want him to think like, this is just a rule mom and I made up. This is like, right. God asks all of us to do this. Yep. And But so often I'm either passive, I just don't feel like doing it, or I don't know, do we really? And then if I do, I just want it to be over too quick. And I yep. think that's what I'm learning is, you know, sometimes you're just tired mm-hmm. and you just want, oh, can we just, and then all you sound like is that you're exasperated to them. Like right. You're just an annoyance. You're just an inconvenience versus I really love you. And yep. I think the one thing that I, I had to learn how to do was how to wrap up a discipline talk <laughs> yeah. because I felt like, yeah, I, I don't good. feel like that was modeled to me very well where I, yep. where I walked away still feeling like a little bit in the doghouse. Yep. And like, I don't know how to, what do we do now? Do I have to show repentance? Do I have to act? And so with my, I remember my son, Caleb, one particular time we were talking and, and we were done. And I just said, I mean, I think he was a teenager by then. I was like, buddy, I just want you to know, I don't know how to end this right now. Yeah. So I am just going to hug you and tell you that I love you, but I didn't know what to do, but I yeah. just knew yeah. I don't want to end with this bad taste in your mouth where that just felt unresolved and dad was just mad and I got in trouble. Yeah. Like yeah. there really was some kind of closure and then. Like, 
even with the Lord, how we're going to end with rejoicing in the gospel. Like, I'm just yeah. so glad that, you know, there's forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I resonate with that because I, I have a tendency to go, what do I do with my emotions? Yes. You know I mean? The reality is like when those things get heated yep. and I'm really frustrated and really discouraged and, and maybe even appropriately angry. Exactly. Right. Like how do I come back from that? And again, I think this is where we just have to acknowledge our own weakness before the Lord seek his forgiveness for times where we've allowed those emotions to maybe carry longer and to maybe influence other, you know, uh, interactions after the fact, Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and just, but at the same time, just to give ourselves grace. Sometimes that grace can look like, man, dad just needs a timeout if you just give me a minute, (laughs) right? you know? Um, But, um, but yeah, that's good. That's really good. So, um, yeah, the, the second principle here is just um, just recognizing that discipline is really evidence of love. Mm-hmm. I, I just think too often we we don't uh, we don't see discipline as a loving act. Mm. We see it as a punitive act. Yeah, right. It, it's harsh. It's uh, you know our kids are they don't feel loved in that moment. In fact, they're telling us that. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a kid scream at you. You just don't love me anymore. <laughs> right. uh, but probably most of us have. Right. And yeah. uh, in some way. And it's like, I can't really convince you right now that, yeah. that this is an act of love. But when again, if you just look at Hebrews 12, you see the writer, he's, he's quoting Proverbs uh-huh. where he says, look, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And so we just see this reality, like if God didn't love us, mm-hmm. he would allow us to continue to wallow on in our sin. Yeah. And yet, because he loves us, he has given us uh, conviction through his spirit. He has surrounded uh, by by God's grace in my life. He surrounded me with parents who put boundaries in place and said no to certain things. That now looking back, I go, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that my parents didn't say yes to the things that I was complaining that they should have said yes to because my buddy Joel over here had the same thing, you know, had yeah. had something that I really wanted. And I'm just so thankful that they didn't say yes to those things. And I, I can now see, gosh, it was a, it was a loving thing. And so being in the seat of a parent and hearing the frustration of our children mm-hmm. and uh, their lack of understanding, we have to be careful that we don't allow that to become our God, mm-hmm. right? Where we go, okay, little Johnny is not happy about this. And therefore I, I maybe I need to do something different. Could be like we ought to, Consider that before the Lord, but not before Johnny. Yeah. And so acknowledging that this really is evidence that we love our kids. And so we were talking a second ago, like, I, I love your kids. I don't know them well, but I love them in a certain way. And yet if I see them acting like goofballs, you know, running around the halls of Watermark, I'm not the one going over and saying, uh-huh. hey, we need to have a conversation here about <laughs> right. what does it look like to be a godly man and honor, you know, others around you or yep. whatever. I know that Chris is going to do that because you love them very differently than I do. Yeah. And yet my kids, I, I'm, if, if that's my kids, then yes, of course, I'm going to go and engage in that way. And so just making sure that we start from that place of going, okay, and this is an act of love. This isn't, and again, we have to be careful what's driving that. What are the motives of our heart? Examining mm-hmm. our heart before the Lord. Is this really love that's motivating it? Or again, is it just, hey, this is uncomfortable for me. You're embarrassing me. You're, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I've wrestled with. And just going, mm, I, I think the reason I got so upset was less about what was really happening and more about how other people might perceive that, yep. what they might think about me. You know, I think even uh, in a role like this that you're in and that I have been in, 
It's like, I'm a pastor and my kids right. are acting like a dummy, right. you know? Yep. And so <clears throat> I'm supposed to be telling all these parents how to do this. Yeah. Then my kids over there, what yep. do I say? What do I do? Oh, man, that, that can't be the motivation of our heart of whether we do or don't yep. say the right thing. It. Well, listen, let's pause because this is also good. There's a lot to digest there. Yeah. Um, and then pick this up in the next podcast because already I just think what you've been talking about is a mindset. Like it's yeah. just thinking of this just differently because I think for a lot of people, they don't associate my parents disciplined me and that was them loving me. Yeah. Because yep. it was probably, if it was done wrong, for sure. And then, um, yeah, just recognizing this is a this is a mark of ownership, like yeah. that you belong to our family, and yeah. that's why I'm doing this and yeah. not for, you know, for other reasons. So yeah. That's good. Okay, great. Well, we'll pick up where we left off here next time. Awesome. Thanks, Wes. Yeah.